Amen. So good to see you guys today, this morning. So in that round of worship, give God the glory and the praise this morning. What a service today. Thank you, man. Well, God is good, and we're so thankful to have you guys here this morning. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you know um, uh, up front, uh, it's okay to go ahead and laugh. Uh, yeah, I know I'm still wearing the brace and stuff like that and got one arm. Uh, man, I hate worshiping God with just one arm. I want to lift up both of them. But anyway, maybe we'll get that fixed here in a few weeks. Uh, so just real quick update. I hate doing this stuff, but so get out of the way so y'all don't have to ask Blaine a thousand times. Uh, get it to you in one place. But uh, uh, so we went to the doctors this week and uh, they said that uh, I was, <laughs> get this, they said I was the most unusual case that they'd ever seen. Uh, this is coming from an, uh, yeah, I know, I know, go ahead and get it out of your system. Uh, they said that, then this is from a, not just a regular doctor, from a neurosurgeon. He goes, honestly, I've never seen anybody like you. And as they looked at my spine and all that, they said literally 50, we're 50% wanting to go in and do surgery right now. And 50% says you don't normally react the way that you should for us to do surgery. Matter of fact, uh, you're... You've got something missing in your spine. Your discs don't even line up like everybody else is. They go, you are the most strange case that we've ever had. <laughs> I know. Anyway, so that's verified. You guys knew that already. Uh, but basically, uh, we're doing therapy, and so cool. Uh, they're putting needles and all kind of junk in me, and so uh, meds, and I still got my cup. And so anyway, so I'm doing all right. And anyway, we're, uh, we're down to a pain level of three from an eight every day, th- you know, 24-7. But hey, I can live at three, so we're good today to go. Uh, just won't be using my left arm. And so hopefully uh, we're going to get this thing licked. So enough about me. So we're glad that you guys are here this morning and we're uh, pumped about what we want to share with you today. So this young lady, she comes up to uh, her pastor and she says to her pastor, I have a problem. And my problem is, and I just got to know, pastor, it may be a sin. And so she said, I need counseling. Well, she had the pastor's attention at that point. And the lady says, and the pastor asked her, he said, well, what's your problem? And she goes, oh, I'm telling you, it's terrible. And she goes, I'm afraid that I may be sinning, and I really need you to give me advice and pray for me. Pastor, my problem is that when I go to church on Sunday, I realize, and I struggle with this, that I and the prettiest woman in the entire church. (laughs) It's a true story. She goes, I really have this struggle. And she goes, and I look around the room every Sunday. And I mean, I honestly look around the room and there's just, I mean, you look at the women in the church. I am the prettiest woman in the church. And I'm afraid that that's probably a little bit judgmental in my case and maybe even sinning. And so the pastor said, oh, there's no need for counseling on this. He said, by the way, it's not even a sin. He said, you're just completely mistaken. (laughs) Uh, It's not even true, and you probably need to get your eyes checked. Uh, I love that. So I know you women are thinking, yeah, I'll go, pastor. Uh, So that would be how I would respond if some, and please don't one of you, don't even come up to me and say that to after service. And I definitely don't want to hear one of you guys do that. So uh, Paul addresses in the message today, we're going to talk about problems. Paul addresses several common problems 
that Christians face in their life. Let me set this up because I cannot look down. Uh, if we, Paul's going to address the problems that happen in the Christian, that we face in the Christian life. Matter of fact, and here's the cool part, it's going to help you out. Welcome to our online viewers. We're so glad that you guys are, are watching us today too as well. And, uh, and here's the problems that Paul's going to talk about. He's going to talk about problems that you face every day. The stuff that you deal with every day. And whether you're facing, you know, possible surgery. By the way, I forgot to mention that we're going to be getting a second opinion at Sims Murphy in about 10 days. And so, uh, anyway, we're working through this. But what about the problems that you guys face? Now, um, the truth of the matter is, in this vein of thought that we're talking about, every Sunday, here's what we do. And for our online viewers and those of you that are on the lake watching and stuff, we hate you. Uh, but all the rest of you, and by the way, those of you that are watching online, go ahead and just right now, uh, just to make us all envious, tell us where you're watching from, the beach or, you know, Gallenberg, whatever. Uh, but uh, as we get back into this this morning, I want to remind you that God is going to speak into your heart today. And what we do every Sunday here is we engage your mind and your heart. And what, what adjustments that we've made to our church and our ministry is we realize that God has called us to help you not just be here to hear a lecture. You know, back in the day, and it was for those times it worked, that we wanted to hear a sermon and he told us all of, you know, we talked about the message. And, and on my generation, it was easy because you could preach. Back in my day, you could preach and just tell everybody, Jesus walked on water, and we didn't have any doubt about it. Our generation just knew that was true. But today's generation doesn't think like that. You, the, the, those that are millennials and Gen Zs and even a little bit older, you guys go, cool story, bro, but we want to know why Jesus walked on the water. They want to know the details. And so here's the cool thing that we do at Connect Church. We believe in reaching the gospel into this generation. We're not just going to, and by the way, it's caused us to dig deeper. I have to study twice as hard for your all's generation and sermons because you guys want to know the details. You want to know the why. You want to know how it happened. And so here at Connect Church, we don't just give you a lecture that you can go, yeah, Jesus walked on water. We're going to give you stuff that's going to be practical, that's going to help a we want to engage your mind. We want to engage your heart so that you think and feel while we deliver the Word of God. That's what we do here, and that's exactly what's going to happen here this morning because what we want you to do is now I want you to think about you have problems in your life. You're facing real issues. So let me engage your mind and your heart this morning and get you guys already into the sermon. This is not a lecture today. This is for you to participate in hearing from God Almighty. That's what we believe in preaching. You hear from him, not from me. So let me ask you to think with me this morning. Do you have at least one problem right now in your life? Now, do not look at that person, your spouse, sitting next to you and go, she's it. All right, I'm telling you, if you have married, if you just did that, go ahead and hit him. See what happens. He's going to talk to this morning. We're going to talk to you about, and that's the first question. So do you have at least one problem in your life? Second question this morning. How about a problem with someone or something in the church? Oh, yeah, we just got real. Do you have a problem with somebody else or something that's going on in the church? We're going to really hit that here in just a minute. Now, I got your attention. Do you have a problem in your family? 
or maybe you're single here this morning and you, you've just got a problem. Brother Terry, there is a lack of quality people to date. And so well, I get that. So I'm with you. We're going to be praying with you guys about that too. Do you have any problems at work right now? Do you have any problems with your health? And it's not even funny. If you've answered to yes to any of these questions, then you can identify with Philippians chapter 4 this morning. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians 4, 1 through 9. And I'm going to talk to you today about stuff that Christians deal with. Stuff that Christians deal with. The Apostle Paul is going to make a series, a serious, he's going to talk about the serious struggles that we Christians encounter in this fallen world. The struggle that we have disputes, a lack of joy in the church, a lack of gracious in people's behavior, anxiety, anger issues. Anyone in here have any anger issues? Uh, we live in an angry country. Everybody's mad about something. Watch the evening news. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. Save yourself some grief. Remember the Philippian church was a great church, the context you could say it was Paul's, most scholars, Bible scholars agree that, and this is, I'm quoting, most Bible scholars agree that the Philippian church was the crowning achievement of Paul's ministry. In other words, Miss Sandra was probably the best church that Paul started and planted that we have in the New Testament. Yet, they still struggled with disputes. They still struggled with a lack of joy. And so this morning, as we talk about their church, if their church had those problems, then we know that we struggle with the same things. We struggle with sin. We struggle with reading God's word, F260 reading plan, all right? We get too busy and forget that we're, we're called here. The main job of our church is to make disciples. If we get too busy working in the nursery, doing anything else, um anything else that we're doing, singing and worshiping, and we don't make disciples, then we've missed the point of this church. We're that serious about it. Do you know that there are pastors and pastoral staffs all over this country today in Tupelo that have never led anybody to Christ? That have never discipled anybody? And you wonder why the church in America is not just declining but falling off a cliff in attendance and participation. And it's because we've allowed everything else to distract us from making disciples, our families, whatever. And it's not, it's not a valid excuse. Paul says to the church at Philippi, he says, I want this church to be a, a great church. I want us to, to understand that even a church like ours that is experiencing a taste of revival, man, you guys should have been here Wednesday night. Uh, come back and join us if you weren't. Go back and watch the service online. An amazing movement of God is beginning to happen at Connect Church, but we still struggle at times. Paul's going to give the Philippian church, he's going to give us here at Connect Church a plan uh, and, and help us be able to, to, to watch out for that creeping in sin that gets us too busy. He teaches the church, now here's the key this morning, how to let Jesus help us deal with our stuff. Let me say that again. What he's going to teach us today in the text is in the church, he teaches us how to let Jesus help us deal with our st stuff. Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, Paul writing to the church, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iota, you say that one. And I entreat Syntyche 
why couldn't they just be Mary and Barbara? All right, but anyway, I enjoy, I entreat these two ladies to agree in the Lord. And yes, I ask you to, true companions, help these women who have labored side by side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be me known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And in this life verse of mine, probably of yours, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In other words, deal with your stuff. Let Jesus deal with your stuff. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whether is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So here's what he says. Last week, in chapter 3, we learned how to stand firm while still moving forward. Today is how we move forward this morning. Dr. Charles Swindoll, now I want you to write this phrase down. Dr. Charles Swindoll says, and in, in just capitalize it, caps. He, he's, he puts together the theme of what this text is about, and I want you to write this down. Moving forward includes following the Lord's commands, believing his word. This is how we do this text. Embracing his priorities. Take a picture of it if you, want, if you don't have time to write it. Loving his people and following his example. Everyone needs to get this down. I want you to leave it up, Chris, for just a second because I want to walk through this for just a second. Today, we're going to unpack this simple statement from Dr. Swindoll. The key to dealing with your problems and simply following the Lord's commands. Here's what he's simply saying to you and I. If you really want to know about how to deal with with the stuff that you have to face every day of your life, this is what we're going to learn this morning, how to deal with your stuff. You moving forward includes just simply obeying the Lord's commands. The first thing that you want to do and getting through the problems of your life is to do what God says. You know how easy that is? God says, paraphrasing, you need to have your butts at church and worship on Sunday. You need to take time to read his word on a daily basis. You need to pray. You need to let somebody disciple you, and then you need to go and make disciples. That's it. That's it. Worship understanding God, and then reproducing yourselves and other people. Guys, it's not complicated. Church is not that hard. You just simply, uh, what did Jesus say? You remember what he said? What was his final words on the planet? You want to argue with me about this? What did Jesus say? What did he say? What did he say, Drew? Go and make disciples. That's it! (laughs) That's it! We've made church and religion so flippin' complicated. Obey the Lord! Just go and follow him. Believe in his word. How hard is that? Do you believe in this truth? Do you believe in this truth? Then practice it. There's churches all over this country. Oh, I believe in the Bible. Folks, do it. Read the word. Pray over the word. This is why we're telling you to do the F-260 plan. We're not just telling you to do this stuff. We're giving you the practical means that you guys can let Jesus pour into your stuff. 
We're saying, you don't need Terry to solve your problems, Brother Wayne. What you all need is Jesus to pour into your hearts, and he'll change your thinking. He's going to change the way you see your stuff. But you've got to take time to let him do it. Be in his house. Believe in his word. Embrace his priorities. He comes first in my life. He comes first in my life. Before I watch the news in the morning, before I eat my grits in Mississippi, I'm going to take time to pray and read his word. I'm going to do the F260 plan, the reading plan, 10 minutes to spend with God before you get on your stupid phone and you have to check out if anybody liked your status. I double triple dog dare you I don't know if you can say that or not uh, whatever it is to spend how much time are you guys spending on your phone compared to the time you are making him the priority of your life in the word and in prayer loving and then you know what you're going to happen you're going to learn how to love people you're going to learn how to love weird people Trust me, I do that with you guys every day. Anyway, I'm just telling you, uh, you're going to learn how to love a pastor that the neurosurgeon said was the weirdest dude she's ever seen. Don't even say it. So here's the thing. Not only how to love people, and then we just follow his example. How hard is that? You just do what Jesus did. All of us can do this. I love this. So here's what Paul says. What does this look like in your life and mine? You ready to unpack this and go a little bit deeper with it? Uh, let's do that. Uh, good, because that's where we're going. Everyone, as we think about this this morning, uh, let me just, let's do this. Before we unpack and get deeper, um, let me just illustrate to you. In a, this is what Jesus wants to do in your life. If you will do this, I want you to bring up the picture. Don't start the video, but can we just get the picture frame going up for just a second and then stop it? So here's what we want you to do. I'm probably going to mess this, all this up. I want you today, this morning, to see what it looks like when Jesus makes us happy. All right, just stop it. Just click. All right, so here's what we got. We're going to show back uh, a few years ago, Fennel, let me get his name so I get it straightened out. Fennel uh, Perel Williams came up with this catchy song. And some of you will remember just a few years ago, and it's called Happy. And when you hear that song played, if you went to a ball game a few years ago, it was played in every ball game. It was played in every uh, public venue, and it's just a song that goes, happy, and you start clapping, you know, and uh, happy. And anyway, and so uh, the song just makes you feel happy, and it was, and, and it, honestly, the song was written. <laughs> it probably doesn't go quite like that. But anyway, uh, it was written by Mr. Williams, and, the, the, and it was written, are you ready for this for your kids? Go home, and I guarantee your kids watch this service, they're going to like this. So it was written for Despicable Me 2, the movie Despicable Me. This, it's easy for you to say because <laughs> uh, we're happy. Anyway, uh, so anyway, it was, it was made for Gru. Uh, all right, and so I got his name down. And so in the movie Despicable Me 2, I say it slow. All right, uh, then uh, you're, every, every kid, and I actually like this. There's not many kids' movies. I, I like this one. And so in the movie Gru, the, the ugly dude with the big nose, all right, so uh, I'm not talking about you guys. And, and so he is a villain that has been converted, and he's now a nice guy. Guy. So he used to be a bad guy. Now he's a nice guy, but he's unhappy. He's very grouchy all the time. And then, and the song Happy was written for this movie. Lucy gives him a kiss. Well, you just follow along.
Go ahead and sing it. All right, so that's what I want you to do next time you're on an escalator. So here's the deal. Uh, we laugh at that because I want you to remember this part of it. Honestly and honestly theologically this morning, I love this movie because of this reason. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this being theological, but it is. And here's the reason why. So get this this morning. Just like Gru got changed from the inside out. He was a bad dude. And then he found love. And it changed his whole perspective on all the stuff in his life. Here's what happened to you and I. Jared, one day, all of us in this room, all of you watching online, every single one of us was literally a villain against God. We had, we are sinners. We had violated everything that God has ever told us to do. We had done it our way. We had decided that we were going to live our life our way. We were sinful, cursed creation of the living God. We had decided to do it our way. And then one day, we realized and heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether we were a drug addict, whether we were struggling with homosexuality, whether we were struggling with whatever sin, pornography, whether we were struggling just to live my life for materialism, whatever it was in your life, I don't care how churchy you are this morning, all of us are cursed by the sin of, of the depravity of the second Adam. And I'm telling you this morning, we met Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came into our life. He loved on us. He saved us. His blood washed away our sin. He forgave us of everything we've ever done wrong. And he made us new creation. He made us happy can I say amen and so this morning way more than grew you have a song to sing in your heart redeemed redeemed by the blood of the lamb somebody say amen this morning we have a reason to be happy and it's because of Jesus Christ so folks whatever stuff you're dealing with we need to bring Jesus that saved us into the stuff. You realize the guy that wrote this text, the Apostle Paul, where did he write it from? Oh, Pastor Terry, you don't know how bad my life is. You don't know what I'm going through. The sermon series on joy, remember how we started this? Is written by a guy, the Apostle Paul, in a Roman jail cell. And if he can find joy and happiness in a jail cell bring Jesus into your stuff that's what Paul teaches us how to bring Jesus into our stuff y'all ready to unpack it now how to be happy verse one Paul says therefore my brothers whom I have loved and longed for my joy <laughs> crazy in Israel cell and my crown stand firm thus what in the Lord 
my beloved. Again, the church was crowning achievement of the Apostle Paul. This church got it. He expresses his love to them as their pastor, and he focuses on discipleship in Jesus. He says to the, to the church at Philippi, this is a pastoral love that you see in verse 1. He's saying, guys, I want this church to know happiness and joy, no matter what stuff you face. And he loves on his people, and he helps them find the answers to their question. <clears throat> I don't have words to say this morning. And I really stink at doing this. Y'all know by now I struggle to look at people in the face and even my beloved, precious wife, a gift of God on my life. I just struggle with doing this, but I'm going to do this this morning. And I'm going to try to look at you guys. Thank you. This is what Paul said in verse 1 to his church. And I just want to duplicate it because I've been so convicted I need to do this. I love you. And I'm absolutely blown away from the sound room to across the room. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. I feel like I'm the most blessed dude on the planet. I absolutely have no desire to be anywhere else. I know it's hard to imagine, but from time to time, on a fairly regular basis, other churches call me, denominational stuff, other opportunities. And honestly, I don't even hesitate. I'll pray about it, sort of, but my answer is always no. Belinda and I are absolutely in love with you and to be your pastor and what God is doing in this moment, in this season. And so out of love, I know I preach on hell. I know I bring the brimstone sometimes. But man, it's because I care about you guys. I want you guys to be happy. And the way you guys get happy is by letting Jesus come into your stuff. You guys ready to unpack this? Let's do this this morning. And so Paul, in love, tells the church how to be happy and how to find this. Get your notes out this morning. And so I got 15 minutes. Wow, I'm doing really good. We might get out early. <laughs> this may be a miracle. Number one, principle number one this morning. <laughs> God moves in mysterious ways. Preserve. Uh, you guys are thinking, I feel like I've been here 45 minutes. Anyway, all right. So here the thing is, number one, principle number one this morning. How do we find and let Jesus come into our stuff? Preserve in the work while maintaining unity. I'm sorry, preserve, persevere. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just, I can't look down. Dang it, uh, I gotta get rid of this thing. Persevere in the work while maintaining, I knew that, say, persevere in the work while maintaining unity. The obvious problem of this text was the two ladies in the Philippian church. Now you guys gotta hang on for this. All right, ladies, this is good. The most amazing part of Paul's, is, is Paul's directness. Now, now you, you all get this, this is amazing. All right, let's just go to verse three and then let me commentate on it. Uh, he says, I entreat, Yoda, uh, sounds like it should be in a Star Wars movie. Uh, I entreat Yoda and I entreat Sintiki to agree with the Lord. You, yes, I ask you also as true companion, help these women who've labored beside, and he goes on and talks about how that they're good, but obviously there was a major disagreement 
that happens in verse 3, uh, verse 2, I'm sorry, between these two ladies. These ladies, let's just put it paraphrase. These two ladies are publicly fighting in the church. Now, how in the world, just think about this, Miss Jeannie. I know you're not, but anyway, just think about this. How in the world would you like to have your name called out, ladies? And so, can you imagine, this is the way this went down back in the day. The leaders of the church are reading the Apostle Paul's letter. And he's talking to them, you know, with all this doctrinal stuff that we preached on last week. And, man, we brought it to you from heaven to hell and told you about all that stuff, about repenting and all that. And so now, he says, let's help you apply this. So that's what chapter 4 is. Let's see what Jesus looks like in your daily life with your stuff. So they're reading this, and then all of a sudden, in the middle of that, he calls out two women and says, y'all got to quit fighting. Ooh. And you know, every one of you would be turned around looking right now at those two ladies going, whoa, I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, Ovid, uh, I'm just telling you, everybody in the church is looking at those two ladies. How do you think they felt when they heard their names and they're in the Bible for the rest of eternity? <laughs> well, I bet they wish they would have just dropped that issue, don't you think? I mean, I'm just telling you, uh, man, think, I mean, seriously, that's what is in the text. But how do we apply that? This is really cool. I love this statement. Paul says in the text, agree in the Lord. Notice what we just read. He says, I need these two ladies to agree in the Lord. Now, some translations, and, and, and I love this because if you go back into the original Greek, some translations make the phrase to think the same thing. ESV translates it's agree in the Lord. I think both are correct and we need both thoughts. And here's what the point that I think that Paul was making. He was saying to the two ladies, and this is to you this morning. Remember, I asked the question, do some of you all have problems with the church? I'm getting ready to illustrate what those look like. But here's the thing. We need to come together. And even if you're right, even if you're right, and you think you are right, I know how y'all do. Stop it and realize that it doesn't matter. Because we got to come together and realize in the Lord. This is God's business. And even if we're right and you win the case and you cause the church to not to, to have division and we're not focused on the gospel because you're arguing about what we need to do at the coffee bar or we don't like the way that the kids' nurseries run, all of those things. Let's come together on this and just realize, you know what? It's not worth fighting over. Agree in the Lord. Let's come together and come to settlement because we got to get focused back on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying we got to persevere for the unity of the church. Folks, you have no idea. Well, actually, most of you do. Because if there's one thing, the folks that are listening from Missouri to, to, to South Mississippi and all around, I'm telling you, our church is filled with people who have watched disunity and fighting go on in the church. They've been hurt by it. They've been burnt by it. And thankfully, God Almighty, they're coming to a church where we don't major on the minors. We focus on discipleship and the gospel. And honestly, we don't care about the little stuff because we're worried and moving the gospel. Our city is going to die and go to hell if this church is not a light into this community. I don't care what color the carpet is. I don't care whether we have pews or chairs. What I'm saying is we will never stop moving this church forward with the gospel. Somebody clap and give God an amen. That's what we're here for. Because when we focus on ourselves and having your way done, all you're doing is keeping the gospel from reaching the unsaved. And I promise you, if you have your fight, you watch your kids walk out of this church. Let me illustrate it to you. We've watched it for generations. 
fighting will only lose your family from the faith and from the church. (laughs) Back in the day, I was pastoring my second church. And honestly, just full, oh boy, just full confession. Blynn hates it when I say that phrase because she knows that something's coming. The biggest problem I've had as a pastor over the years of 30 plus years has never been the men. There's occasionally, there's a few guys that have act like women that I've had trouble with. But anyway, uh, but overall, I probably shouldn't have said that, but it's true. Overall, I've had more trouble with women who just didn't like me. I don't get it, Wayne. But anyway, uh, but, uh, that, you know, but they've, they didn't like that I'm a little bit just tell it like it is. And some folks have struggled with that. I was pastoring my second church, and they uh, had the really big old style King James pulpit. And it was a country church out in the middle of nowhere, and, and it was a great church, and God blessed, and man, we, and it was amazing ministry that we had there uh, for five years, and uh, anyway, and so, but when I went there, now think about this, got the old King James, you know, giant wood pulpit, it was beautiful, and when I went there, uh, they had a giant King James Version Bible, I mean, it was like, you know, this big, and the pastors, the church was 110 years old. They had never been full-time. They only had services every other Sunday. It was like way out in the country. But the pastors had only had three pastors. I was the fourth pastor. So all these guys stayed like forever and then died. And so I was the only, I was the fourth pastor that they had in 110 years. And so they were, and they were used to guys that would, the guy that was before me was a very intellectual, brilliant man. And uh, and then they got me. And so they would, uh, and and they would read out of the King James Version and they would sort of lecture and they were like 25 minute sermons. And then they got me. And so I was like, just, you know, I was like the round square peg, you know, and, and all that and the whole whatever you call it. Anyway, and so, uh, <laughs> and so I was me. And so I'm reading, and I tried, Brooks, the first Sunday to read out of that, and, you know, and it just wasn't my style and turned the big old pages. And so I brought my New King James Version back in the day. It's ESV now. But I brought my New King James Version, and I put it on the pulpit, and I read from it. And you thought that I had just committed apostasy. You thought that I had just, you know, but here's what happened next. And I'm telling you, Josh, it was terrible. I'm, you know me, when I got excited and I just ruffled stuff, and I, in the sermon, tore a page out of the Bible, the King James Bible that had been there 110 years, and I tore a page out of it, and it just flew off in the wind. And you would have thought at that moment the veil in the temple had been torn. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you would have thought that I had just literally, you know, de- desecrated the gospel of Jesus Christ because there was three little old ladies sitting on that second row who had been there, I think, I think they were about 110 themselves anyway. And so they were all sisters, their husbands had all died, no kidding. And uh, anyway, and so they had a come apart and they just, were just livid. I mean, they were like, we've got to fire this guy today, you know, and I mean, and they, they never did respond to my preaching, and you know what happened that Sunday? Three people walked the aisle and got saved. 
church had been there 110 years in that church, you only got saved in revival in July. I mean, it was the old country, Free Will Baptist Church, and we had three people get saved that Sunday in November, and the deacons met and said, what are we going to do, preacher? We've never had anybody get saved in November. And I said, let's baptize them. And they go, we don't baptize till July. And I said, I think we can, we can do that. I'm just ser- serious. And there was division in the church, and there was a debate whether or not they were going to keep me because I tore a page out of the Bible. And, and you think about it, and I promise you this, here's the sad part. Those ladies never did accept my ministry. How many of their family, now you listen to me, how many of their family do you think ever came to church and responded to the gospel because they were still mad about that page that flew off and the thing? Are you getting with me? I'm telling you, well, we've got to come together and realize that some of the stuff that we want to argue with and we think is important, I'm telling you, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt your family because you're trying to have your way. We, used, we had folks that had to come apart at our church because we started two services. I mean, you thought we had split Tupelo Free Will Baptist Church because we were having two services. And man, I'm telling you, it got heated and discussed. And then the families got upset that we had moved the time and started an 8.30 service. But then what was ironic is several of those families that didn't want to have two services started going to the 8.30 service. And I'm like, where were you? And then I said something else that made them mad and they finally left. And, and then guess what? They left and went to a church, a small little church that only has a 10.30 service. Tell me that makes sense. I'm just telling you, we argue over stupid stuff for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care whether it's 839, 10.30 or whatever. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. How about we get over our little preferences? Because I promise you, while you're griping and complaining about the fact that we've changed the music a little bit, and we have, because why? We want to reach all of these young people that are, look in the bulletin, all the people that are getting saved, all the people that are coming to Christ in our church. We want them to understand the gospel. And if we have to adapt my preaching to preach an apologetic, go through the details of the text to explain to them if we have to change a little bit of music, if we have to move into an auditorium and have a coffee bar, then so be it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Amen. The unity of the church, we persevere because we care about the gospel. And that's what our unity is over, guys. Number two. <laughs> Boy, my time went down on that one. Number two, continue to rejoice. Let me quick, let's finish this up. Another problem that Christians struggle with is to maintain our joy in our lives. Guys, Paul says it's necessary. He says he commands the church, guys, this morning, and that's my message. Rejoice, guys. Continue to rejoice. Look what Paul says in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. God's commanding you guys this morning to make this happen in your life. Now hear me this morning. This is cool. I don't want you rejoicing when everything is going great. Just because it's going great. And you don't feel like rejoicing when everything's going bad. What Paul is saying, and this is, a, I think about George when I think about this stuff. He says, don't go off your feelings. You rejoice in the Lord always, whether it's a good day or whether it's a bad day. Whatever stuff is happening in your life, you rejoice 
in the Lord always. Because guess what? When Satan attacks and he gets ticked off at a church like this that's having a taste of revival and folks have been saved for seven months in a row because we've adjusted our church to go reach our community, made discipleship the key, Satan is ticked off at our church. He's not bothering the church down the street that's dying anyway. He's coming after us. When the chairman of your deacon board is laying in an ICU and has the possibility of brain cancer, you rejoice in the Lord always. And by the way, he's already made it through phase one. He's going to a step-down unit this afternoon. Praise God Almighty. We're praying for healing. Because we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. Because even when you have four of your church members that are battling four other church members that are battling cancer, and I talked with them this week, you rejoice in the Lord always because God helps us with the stuff that we're facing. He's there with them. I know, I talked with them. I prayed with them this week. He's, he's with you in the stuff that you're facing. Even when four of our church members in the last three weeks have been in the cardiac unit, including two deacons, we don't back down. We don't stop rejoicing. And even when your preacher has herniated disc in his back, Bulging disc and part of the other. You don't stop rejoicing because my God is good. My God is with us in whatever we're facing. And are you with me this morning? We will rejoice that our God is with us in all we face. Give God a round of applause this morning. He is here. We will not be defeated. We will not stop. We will continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to have to drag my body out of here. I will not stop because I'm telling you, we've got a taste of revival and God is moving. Now here's what an old time preacher that I read his commentary. You ready? My older folks this morning know George Mueller, one of the greatest preachers in the 19th century. Here's what he said about this text. The first, and everything I've been preaching to you today, the first and great and primary business of every day is to have my soul happy. Can you hear the song again? Happy in the Lord. Your primary goal is to rejoice in the Lord always. Somebody say amen. Every day you run to Jesus to let him bring that to you. How do you guys do that? You do your hear journals, guys. You pray. And I'm telling you, And when you do that, he's going to bring his spirit. Now, let's get through real quickly. Pray number three for God to relieve your anxiety. Okay, this is an easy one. The number one problem plaguing the church today is our people are struggling with anxiety and fear. The greatest threat to your faith, hear me this morning, to our church and our ministry is you guys spend your days in anxiety instead of faith. Yet I'm going to spend the least time in my sermon on this point. You know why? Because it's so easy. How do you guys handle your anxiety? Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about everything, my life verse, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, coming next Sunday, let your request be made known unto God. And what happens next? Grew in the kiss, you and Jesus and your salvation, and the peace of God, which surpasseth all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, hear me this morning. I am convinced 
that one of the things that God has taught me in the last four weeks of enduring this stuff every day in pain. Thrilled to be at a three. But here's what God has taught me. I've struggled to concentrate. I've struggled to do my prayer and my devotions. I have struggled to write sermons. But I fought through it. I have not stopped praying for every one of you every week for four weeks. It's been hard, and it's taken me a lot longer. But I've interceded for the Hernandez and the Cummings and Lucinda. I prayed for Bonnie. She lives with Brandon. I've never stopped praying for these four weeks for every one of you. And guess what God has done? He has given me peace in the midst of the stuff that I'm facing. He's brought me joy. Folks, I'm convinced that we don't really pray for sick folks. You know what God has changed in my heart through this? I have a whole lot more compassion. God has given me a softer heart for those of you that are physically going through a difficult season. He's changed my heart. I am convinced that we give lip service to prayer. We just say the words and we don't really listen to God. You're just checking the box. Look at verse 4 before you get to, or verse 5, before you get to 6 and 7. We leave this off. Here's what verse 5 says. We got it, Chris. Let your reasonableness, you know what that reasonableness should be translated in the Greek? Compassion. Let your compassion be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Folks, if you will really begin to pray, God is going to give you a love and a compassion for people and for those that are hurting. I'm convinced that we don't really pray because when we really pray for sick people, God is going to give you a compassion that you've never had before. Guys, we need to learn to pray and seek God's face and do it sincerely. Pray for God to relieve your anxiety. Here's what Jesus says about it. Would you like to know what Jesus says about your anxiety? This is what Jesus wants to teach you guys. Y'all ready for this? This is how you relieve your anxiety. The words of our Heavenly Father. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? <laughs> That's so good. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor, nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And the congregation said, wow, number four, focus on the good stuff. Focus on the good stuff and not the bad stuff. This is it. How do we wrap it up? Focus on the good stuff and not the bad stuff. Paul says, if you spend time with Jesus, did you get that today? 
the rest of your day, you spend time with Jesus, the rest of your day, you focus on the blessings that God is doing in your life. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And may I add, and you will be happy. Bring Jesus into your stuff. Dr. Danny Aiken says it this way. Jesus paid the penalty for those who sin with their, with their thoughts. In other words, all of you all that keep thinking the wrong way, you keep thinking the wrong way, may I look at me this morning. What Dr. Danny Aiken says is that Jesus has redeemed that. Jesus has saved that. Y'all don't have to keep thinking negative. Y'all don't have to keep living in fear. The salvation that Jesus gave you is good enough to change the way that you think and he grants them a new mind in turn guys look to Jesus for his righteousness here are the goals this week now to wrap this sermon up and here's what the takeaway is rejoice relax and rest with Jesus man when have you ever heard that in a sermon I'm telling you in this Memorial Day weekend guys go out and have fun guys rejoice relax and let Jesus Take care of all your stuff. Some of you have been killing yourselves. You need to just have a good, relaxing weekend. But do your devotions. Do your hear journals. Bring Jesus into this weekend and let that become a daily routine in your life. Rejoice, relax, and rest with Jesus. Spend time with him this morning. Would you stand with me today? Now, here's the thing. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus is your savior. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now because this is what Connect Church exists for. Dear God, I am a sinner. Dear God, all of that that you've talked about today, about bringing happiness into my life. God, I am Groot. I am the guy, I've been the villain against you. I've left you out of my life. And today, God, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross to take away every sin, and your shed blood washes my sin away. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, is my salvation. And today, I believe that you can save me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 10.30. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.